Look forward to seeing you again. Ryan Spann to no one in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> What's good, everybody? <laughs> episode 16. I thought I'd start the episode like that. Joe Rogan talked, conveyed how awkward um, just doing a, a UFC event with nobody in, in the in the crowd was concerned. Um, very much like um, t the Ultimate Fighter than me. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, a. <laughs> That was just pretty crazy, just uh, the whole event, and it was great to get another sport event back. But yeah, Joe Rogan, <laughs> always, always a com always a comedian first. Definitely, and this is where we're going to start, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get into the matches a little bit later in our show, but let's start this way. The, uh, the UFC was the first major sports franchise to bring sports back to national tel the, tele the national television stage, and would appear to be the safest way one can do in this in this sports or even social climate. Um, Rob. If they were in school, what overall grade do you give the UFC for this weekend? I mean, this is like this is like a pass fail, you know. Uh, I think it's hard to give like a, a you know an okay grade. I feel like this is either an A or an F, you know, because this is this is the kind of times we're working in. But uh, for me, I feel like they got an A grade. Uh, I haven't heard anything about any outbreaks. Uh, I haven't heard uh, anything about any you know any of them cutting corners anyway. You know, uh, I have to give them an acre. I thought, you know, they made it seem like it was business as usual, you know, when it's absolutely not business as usual. Um, there was no, you know, sound. The sound wasn't too terrible. You know, it was all focused on the fight. It wasn't no, like, reverberation from the stands. Um, and, you know, they got all the fighters there. You know, there was nobody. There's no, like, uh, last-minute, you know, dropout from the cards. Um, the fighters were there. They were healthy. You know, they were happy. They weren't stressed, it seemed like. Except for maybe Tony, for uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those we guys seem definitely like, going to get into that later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he just seemed like he wasn't there. But um, yeah, I, I thought everybody it looked like a great event. All right, check it out, Rob McLean. Um, I give them an A minus, and before I say why, a while, point out one last minute switch, uh, but it happened early enough where it got uh, it, it got under um, past everybody's eyes. I bring your attention to Uriah Hall and Jacare Souza. Jacare Souza, one of his coaches, wound up sick, and then just as a precautionary measure, they they, they pulled him from the fight because there were there were flu like symptoms, and it turned out. Um, not to not. To, I think the report is so far there's no diagnosis no diagnosis for COVID. Uh, for the COVID virus, so, um, but I give them an A minus because, like you said, um, first of all, Dana White is a bold dude, man. That is one brave, innovative sob. I'm very so so proud that like one of the, my my top three sports that I love that I got a guy who's a president, and who actually has a has some testicular fortitude, has got some gonads between his legs to say, hey, this virus is at our door, and we got two choices. This we, they put us as a society in this false dichotomy: stay behind your door till the virus goes away, or until the vaccine comes which can be in November, maybe. <laughs> that's if they're fast, and that's if they only take care of one strain. Or two, go out there and behave like responsible adults and treat it like the flu. Treat it as if, in situations, uh, tight situations, treat it as if you had the flu and you don't want anybody else to get infected. And with that being said, if there's any sport besides golf uh, or maybe even tennis that can make this happen, which we might get into later as well, it was, it was mixed martial arts. And the, the leading franchise, and mixed martial arts is the UFC, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. The president is Dana White. Dana said, and I got, I got an idea. We got a referee. 
We get a limited amount of coaches. We have fighters one-on-one. -on -one. We sequester them. And sequestering them wasn't difficult because when these guys train, they don't train with their family around. They go to big, some of them do, the stars do, but they go to Big Bear. They go somewhere eight weeks. And eight weeks is plenty of time to find out if you have the COVID virus or not. So mm -hmm. listen, there's, there's an element where the crowd's not in there to cheer or, the, to, or whatever, but I am telling you, Joe Rogan, John Anik and Daniel Cormier, who was sitting around the cage 20 feet from each other. They were quarantined the smart way. Uh, for the millions of people watching it at home, they gave us all the fan excitement they needed. Because on a reel, you, you might hear the crowd in the background, but all you, what you really hear is their voice walking us right. through it, walking us through the analytical. It was amazing. And out of all the sports that want to be next, big up to Dana White. Bravo, you were first. I go first, Indy. Remember, remember Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom? That man mm -hmm. went first. Big up, Dana White. Mm -hmm. We got a whole bunch of questions about this, don't we? But I think <laughs> it would spoil the, the subject matter because since this is the first live event that we were watching, dude, we're watching Horse. I, I saw Stephen A. He's like, Horse. We're watching Horse. He's an ESPN, the world leader in sports. We're watching Horse. <laughs> yeah, that was terrible. I never watched that ever again. I turned it on for 30 seconds. Never watch that again. I gave cornhole a shot. That lasted like 15 seconds. <laughs> I can barely play cornhole. I'm not going to watch it. That's terrible. Uh, let's dip away from the UFC right now because we're going to do what ESPN has failed. All right. ESPN, I'm not going to convey any disgust because I, they're my favorite channel. And when sports are on TV, they're the, the only reason why I still have cable. I haven't even cut the cord yet. Shame on me. I even have the app. What the hell am I doing? So... They had a live event from the from the worldwide leader in MMA sports, and they have uh, all of the talk shows, first take or whatever. Very little mentioned about it. They talked about this, the last dance, which we're going to talk about right now, because we got to give it its due, because it is one of the greatest uh, dynasties um, in the history of uh, basketball, with the Celtics, I think, being, you know, top two as well, if not top one. Um, the Last Dance on ESPN gives us an intriguing look at one of the most unique dynasties in the history of basketball, highlighting Michael Jordan, who in his career has done a disturbingly great job of keeping his personal life and his career completely separated. After watching eight episodes, Rob, the burning question still stands. Was Krauss the real reason for the demise of the Bulls dynasty, or was it Jordan? Um, so... <clears throat> it's always going to be about the money, uh, but Kraus was absolutely the main factor in why it broke down so quickly, right? And you see it nowadays where maybe teams go a little bit too long, you know, like the whole Patriots. I think that probably should have gone three years ago. But, you know, teams now will allow older players to kind of live out their the length of their careers as opposed to, um, back in the day where it was like you're getting ready for the future too fast. You know, there was no into the sunset moment for, for a six-time champion that had never really done anything in the NBA before that whole Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. Six championships. Could have been seven in a row, but it was three and three within a seven-year span. Yeah. I mean, how do you turn and come into that and say, we're going to shut this down. It's not going to work anymore. It was working then. So if you're going to say there's not enough money, get rid of some of the players. But I guarantee you, no matter what 
era we're in, if you have Dennis Robin, Scottie Pippen, and Michael Jordan on the same team, that team's going to win championships. Or at least be in the running. If you want to say we got to trade away all the other players and we got to build up around these guys again, and then when they start to crumble, then we'll put in new superstar players and we'll try to make it work. Sure, go ahead, but you don't break you don't break up a whole team just because you have an idea. And what have the Bills been since? Yeah, what true. have the Bills been since? <laughs> so yeah, that's why I got to say is it, it is business. I understand that, but those guys built that franchise from the court up right and it's not for somebody else to come in and say it is for the owner but not for a gm who was hired by somebody else to come in there and say that it's got to be blown up now so it's very upsetting and that's all i gotta say man you know that's just not right but Mm -hmm. the game is the game and and you know they probably all should have just retired after that and been good and just gone out in the sunset and they possibly could have done that you know maybe if there was conversations about you know what this our last year we all want to do it together and be done you know but it was all just like animosity and hatred and i'm going to do my thing and that was just stirred up by the main factor contracts and all that stuff yep yep all right rob mclean again once again i always like to preface something before i give my answer and i'm going to do that again for those of you listening at home the term bandwagon fallacy. Bandwagon fallacy is the false presumption that just because a preface is popular, that it has to be true. Now, I'm going to be very, very, very careful because I do agree with the consensus as, as, the, as Jerry as Krauss being the common denominator of the reason of the, of the demise of this, this very storied dynasty. Uh, with with two top 50 players, um, someone enigmatic like Dennis Rodman, Horace Grant, uh, Wennington, Steve Kerr became a coach. I mean, just just a great, great bunch of people uh, all put together um, where iron sharpened iron, punching each other in the face in practice because 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 the intensity bars is, is has been raised. And, we're, and maybe we'll talk a little bit, a bit about that later, too. But we're talking about Jordan later, too. But for now, yeah, it's Cross's fault. But Jordan has some part to play in it. Reinsdorf has some part to play in it. Reinsdorf was the owner before Jerry Krause was. Jerry Krause went, did to the bidding of him and had a direction to go. And his, um, I mean, people say his spine bends both ways between Jordan or whatever, just just to keep just to keep his his bottom line going. And, and there's some truth to that as well. But every single chance Jordan got, Jordan Jordan took a shot at his guy. Oh my God, you're short, you're fat, you know. Oh, you want to take some shots? Oh, you gotta, you gotta, uh, gotta be able to reach the, you know, gotta be able to reach the court, you know, gotta be able to, uh, need a running start on the curb. So there's all these re- jokes that every time Krauss went by him, Jordan was j- basically just bullying him. All right. So Reinsdorf got pushed so much that when Phil Jackson said, "It's my last year," Jordan said, "If he's out, I'm out." He gave Kraus an ultimatum, find a way to keep, basically find a way to keep Phil Jackson, or I'm gone too. And I thought Kraus got pushed one time too many. He got backed into the corner where he, he felt he did what he had to do. And to his credit, he finally grew so he finally grew some whiskers under that chin, right? But to his demise, the biggest lesson he 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 should have learned from the NBA, from baseball, because he was in baseball, if you remember he was in baseball before basketball. The biggest difference between the NBA and the NFL uh, what separates them from the NFL 
and MLB is that it is run by the players and not by the coaches and GMs. It is run by the players. If there is a situation where a player or a coach has to go nine out of ten times, it is the coach, unless, of course, you're Pat Riley or Phil Jackson or Popovich, the big three. All right? Um, so what he does, Rob, he says if Jordan feels like he wants, he needs to go because Phil Jackson goes, he can go. And that is not what you do to keep your players. That is not what you do to keep your franchise. You sat there and you ate crap from that guy for 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 all those years. It wouldn't have hurt your pride and your ego to hurt to to, to eat a little bit more crap for one more year and maybe and the possible four Pete Rob. And for a possible four Pete. This guy again got got pushed too hard and his ego came into play. So but many again, instances, even, he's like, Jordan didn't win it by himself. This is a, a it was won by management. We're, we're the ones that brought the people in. We're every much, we're every much the winner as the, as the players are. And that's not what you say to the media in a league that is run by the players. <laughs> no, but even on top of that, like, I can understand when people say things like, oh, Jordan didn't win alone. You know, he has Scotty. He had whores. But those are players. Yeah, he the had players. Dennis. But that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, there isn't, there's no way that management becomes even remotely as important as the players on the court, how, they, how their chemistry works, because that's how you make money. You can't, and I'm sorry, because this is all like BS, upper management BS. You can't make money, or you can't, you can't spend money if you don't make money. You don't make money if you're not good. So you can't tell me that the Bulls have been making money outside of anything that deals with Jordan and the Bulls of the old recently because that's that's their job. Their job is to make the Bulls good. And, you know, it's – yeah, I'm sorry. It has to be Jerry Krause's fault because why did he – like what did he need to accomplish by coming there? Even if he got pushed, that's part of your job. Do your job. Don't take it personal. You know, and I think that was the biggest point is like that Jordan almost was trying to make because I'm sure he probably talked to that guy once or twice. You know, I'm sure he had a real face to face conversation and then didn't like what it was been saying back or just wasn't like he wasn't saying anything at all. So he just kept badgering him until he made something happen. But the, the guy Jordan, felt but, like but, a but, prisoner but, in his own house. Right. But still, that's Jordan's house. That's not his house. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say still. Yep. Like, where was this guy when they won the first three? He was there. You know what I mean? He was the GM. But like, yeah. but Reinsdorf, still, I think Reinsdorf was the owner. He was the GM, but go ahead. Sorry. But even still, like, the fact is he's not on the court. What point, What pieces did he put into play to make that team uh, uh, a dynasty as opposed to a one-championship, one-year team? You know what I mean? Like, he didn't draft Jordan. You know what I mean? No, he, he, but he did get Pippen. Hey, I'll give him that. But yeah. that's one player. And then you have Dennis Rodman fell into their lap. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And again, it goes back to me saying it's run by the players, Rob. Like, look, you can recruit whoever you want, but if Jordan has a problem with that guy on the team, it has to be approved. The players have to be able. Like, Rodman's not on that team unless Jordan's like, you know what? Didn't like him before, but I'm liking him now. <laughs> right. You know? I like Just that. Just like Rajah Bell is not on the Lakers if mm -hmm. Kobe didn't say we want him. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just, it's just how it is. So. Jordan did want to bring in someone that Krause said no to that turned out to be a bust. So he he's not 
again, he, it wasn't a total pooch crew. I'm, uh, um, and I'm not saying that Kraus did a bad job. I thought Kraus did, Kraus did a good job bringing in the right players surrounding him. Um, but, right, what... Um, you you build it up and and now you want to and now now you want to tear it down because you're not getting credit for it. There were egos that come into play and and as far as egos are concerned, the, you have to sometimes like you just said, you have to let the the biggest ego prevail in the sport where the biggest egos prevail. That's the truth. Yep. All right, we're gonna stay with the site. Um, mm. Question number three. Is also regarding Michael Jordan. Before it was the Bulls dynasty, but you can't really talk about the Bulls that dynasty without mentioning Jordan all over the place. So with that being said, we're going to go, we're going to stay with Michael a little bit. Michael had an interesting quote um, because everybody, I grew up around the same time Michael was the scoring champ, but not the NBA champ. And then I was in my twenties when he started three, three Pete and he three Pete twice, took that two year stint, one and a half year stint from baseball. Um, war 45, war 23, then three Pete again. And I had someone at my job tell me, you know, it's crazy. I've never heard of any charity that Michael Jordan donated to, you know, and I'm and and I was defensive about him. I'm like, hey, maybe he doesn't like maybe he's not the kind of guy that likes to have, you know, take a picture picture with a big check there. You know, maybe he's maybe he's more private like that. And he has been criticized about not being a better role model. Rob, you are a black man. All right, you're a mulatto, but you are a black man. I have mixed parents. I am a white man and a black man, but in essence, if you're white and you're black in this country, you're black. So I'm a black man too. And the old saying is white people have a career, black people have a responsibility. <laughs> so it's one of those things where if you make it to the top, they almost expect you to be a role model and they expect mm. you to do things uh, um, to be a saint and not just a basketball player. So this is his quote of being a role model. You'll appreciate this. And I'm going to get your thoughts because I am. I'm going off right now. Um, his quote, and I, uh, it, it is never going to be enough for everybody because there is a preconceived idea on what I should do and what I shouldn't do. The way I go about my life, I set examples. If that inspires you, great. I will continue to do that. If it doesn't, then maybe I'm not the person you should be following. Rob, did Jordan get this one right? Yeah, I mean, first of all, what does not, what does Jordan not get right? right I think he's just done just about everything correct, uh, except for memes and, and franchise ownership. Um, other than that, I mean, every time he talks, I feel like it's always very well thought out and it's very personal, Right. Uh, and even to that quote, even to the back in the day where Republicans buy shoes too, I feel like that's very thought that out sharp. because <laughs> it's about even even back to the role model. You don't have to be a role model. You can be a role model by not getting into trouble, by not doing things. I feel as though you're know, talking about saintlyhood. I think it's a fallacy. You know, in order to, to drive someone to perfection is almost asking them to fail, right? So when you're saying someone needs to be a saint, someone needs to be a role model, they don't need to be anything more than they are. You know, if they want to be more than they are, they can be a role model, right? If they need to be more than they are, like they're not doing things in the right way and they need to change their own ways, be a role model. But the best thing that most people can do is be themselves and do the right thing in their life and lead that path. And I think that's what he's trying to talk about is that I'm lead, I'm leading my best life, 
right? And clearly it's gotten me places that most people don't even understand. So it's not that I can't do wrong, but I can only do. And I think that's the biggest thing he's trying to get across is if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong. We can talk about it. We can figure it out. But at a certain point, at a certain intelligence, at a certain IQ, you have to be thought out. You know, it, it comes from at least some sort of a place where you can say, I'll tell you where it came from and we can make an understanding better from it. But, um, yeah, I think Jordan absolutely got it right. He's just living his life the way that he wants to live it. And I think anybody would be jealous to have that. Um, and <clears throat> which, if comes, we're going which comes into play him, with some people. Yeah. Right. But if we're going to ridicule him, we also have to give him the chance to speak and be heard at the same value as the ridicule that we're giving him. Right. And I think it's impossible. So, again, you can't ask somebody to be more than what they are. You know, they have to be the best version of what they can be. And that has to be enough. And if it's not, then you're searching for something different than what that person's giving. I got two things from your nice, nice little diatribe about about um, him getting it right or not getting it right. One uh, for everybody at home. I'm going to I'm going to give you another another Jason's definition of the week. Straw man fallacy. Straw man fallacy, Rob McLean, is when you t- you do 19 things right and one thing wrong, and the only thing I want to talk about is the one thing you did wrong and don't even mention the 19 things you did right. That is taking one little thing and exposing it to make my argument look stronger and to make your argument look weaker, all right? Um, and it is very, very tough to be an elite athlete that people look up to because the media will straw man you to death. I bring your attentions to episode seven and eight. When he was playing baseball, they, they just talked about how he kept striking up and how he kept dropping balls. They failed to mention that he, he started his double-A his career with um, an 18-game uh, hitting streak. <laughs> I, I, listen, that was 1994, 93. I didn't know about that. That mm-hmm. was 25 years ago. I just found out about, about that at the documentary. So out of everything he said on that very, very long quote, the most important thing I got was it's never going to be enough for everybody. And if it's never going to be enough for everybody, what you just said before in your very strong diatribe, my man, Rob McLean, you, all you can do is be you. I can't be your Superman. I can't be your Superman. Can't be your Superman. Your Superman. Your Superman. All right. So, Jordan can't be your Superman. All right. You're looking for strong African American um, uh, role models who whose conduct off the court uh, is just as becoming as their court as their on on the court conduct. I give you LeBron James. LeBron James is always going to be a, a, the goat in that respect over over Michael Jordan in that, okay? Because the man can run for president tomorrow and win, maybe. Um, so <clears throat> I like what Jordan said because he only wanted to let his play do the talking. If my play inspires you, if you think I can fly for a little, and, and, in, and in this instance, and only this instance, if you want to be like Mike, I did my part. That should be enough. You got a problem with me gambling? Well, sure, fine. How, how am I different from from every other white athlete uh, uh, that that spent just as money, uh, just as much money as I did in Vegas, if not more? Right? Yeah. I mean, you're not looking for them to be role models. Why are you looking for me to be a role model? Republicans wear sneakers too. Mm-hmm. You're damn right. Okay, because sports is supposed to be the one thing that takes Democrats and Rebloodlicans, the two biggest gangs in America, with apologies to 
Bloods and Crips. All right, but I'm apologizing to them, and and takes all of them and puts and makes you forget about your political beliefs and brings everybody together. People like you, me, and I don't even know about the rest of them. So did Jordan get it right? Short answer: Yes, he did. He was, he did the he did it the only way he knew how to succeed. Okay, he yelled at his teammates. He punched Steve Kerr in the face, who pushed back. Okay, if he did it any other way, he wouldn't have three-peated. Uh, could there have been other ways that he could have three-peated? I don't think so. Uh, other, other, other champions, three-peat champions that did it a different way from Michael Jordan? Yes, but those we're not machines. We're people. We got to, we got to, we got to find what we got to do. You know our way. Rob, you are a handsome man. You didn't do it my way. I know. I hear. I mean, they also had a record season, too. So it wasn't like they were slouching in the regular season and then, uh, you know, coming into the playoffs and trying to take easy victories. He wouldn't let him. He wouldn't let him. The dude was a pariah in practice. They hated his guts in practice, dude. You know? And that's practice. That's not even regular season games, right? Don't get me started on that. Uh, (laughs) Because almost this day in sports, as a couple of days ago, we talking about practice. Practice, man. (laughs) That's another rain. All right, I'm going to rein it in. Anything else you would like to add to that, Rob? No, man. I just, you know, I think uh, a lot lot less blame for a lot of people will bring a lot lot more happiness to (laughs) many people's lives. Yeah. Right. Don't blame other people for your shortcomings. You know, you don't got to blame other people for for being better, you know, or succeeding, you know, just see it as a teaching tool. And they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites, Rob. Rob, you ask half of those people you talk to that have a problem with Jordan not doing more. If I said if if you were in his shoes, if you got kicked off the basketball team and people say you suck and then you should play baseball and you're, not, you're probably not that good either. You get to go to North Carolina, oh, you're too skinny, you're going to get bowled around. And then when you get to the NBA, oh, you're going to embarrass yourself. Oh you, sh- oh, you quit, you shouldn't come back. And then you overcome all those obstacles and all that critique and the first people to come to you is saying, oh, you should be nice to me and give me stuff? If they were in his shoes, what would they say? The same thing he said, go kick rocks. And yeah. now I'm done. okay question number i don't even know what question we're on right now um question number four we're going back to the ufc my man on -hmm. saturday the ufc double champ and olympic gold medalist henry cejudo defeated arguably the best bantamweight in all of all time arguably um I might make an argument for cruz on that one dominic cruz he defeated dominic cruz by tko uh, much to everybody's surprise, afterwards in, in the post-fight interview, he retired from mixed martial arts. Thank goodness. So, Rob, now that he's retired and threw his hat into the crowd, actually, no crowd. <laughs> no crowd. <laughs> he threw his hat for some lucky fan to catch, and there was no one there, as reported by Ariel Hawani. Thank you. Rob, um, where does Cejudo rank as far as... In the GOAT status for um, mixed martial artist? Uh, for bantamweights? You know, he's right up there at the top. Let's go know. pound for pound. <laughs> Let's go pound for yeah. pound. Yeah. Um, so th- this is uh, a tough place for me because, you know, boxing or, you know, just fighting sports in general don't have a very long shelf life. So I think that has, uh, just like in football, 
the longevity of your career also puts a a large value into how great your career is because it's about your career, right? That's what GOAT, that's the greatest of all time is about your career, not just one year or a a three-year span where you win two titles where everybody else kind of is much lower than your level. That would be Cejudo. Um, And then calling out people that you would never fight, you know, different genders, four weight classes up. He he challenged Amanda Nunez, right? And I think she would work him, work him. But again, um, I think he had a a really good short run, uh, emphasis on short. Um, And I don't think he even comes into my top 10 fighters of all time. I mean, I think he's a great fighter, but I don't, I don't see anything special. Um, I would love to see him and DJ fight. Um, You'd love to see that trilogy, wouldn't you? Right. I would love to see it now. I would love to see a third match now. You know, DJ's still fighting, still winning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's with one. He's He's with one championship. Hmm? Yeah. And I'm sure he's playing Xbox because he can actually play Xbox now, too. He's a savage. He's a murderer. (laughs) He's a murderer. Don't run into that dude. He, he probably got but cheat I codes. Gotta, I also have to. Uh, <clears throat> I also have to say that I I, I really love um, Cruz, man. I think Domino Cruz is one of my like favorite fighters. You know, past his prime now, but I think he's one of my favorite fighters. Just in the essence of uh, what he talked about, what he emphasized on footwork and, and the movement, and and not being the strongest or the best, but. You know, you can maximize the most you can out of what you are physically capable of giving. Um, <clears throat> but he he's not who he who he was, you know. He's not that guy anymore. And you should have seen that from his last fight. And it's the same thing with this fight. You talking about Cody Garbrandt, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, not to say that Cody didn't have, like, I mean, he perfectly planned out what he was doing. But that just shows you Dominic is just... A couple of steps behind now because he's not really he had to get over all those injuries he's not uh expanding his game kind of the same deal i have with john jones he's not expanding his game he's trying to get better at something he's already mastered in a sense and you need to kind of move on and start maximizing what you have to give now right that's why i think that uh sanchez uh forget his name now but uh diago sanchez you know don't wave hands in people's face. But the fight before that, he maximized what he can do. He just got up on the dude and tried to uh, fluster him. And, you know, he got pummeled, but he still did what he could with what he had. Right? That's what I'm trying to make the point at. Um, <clears throat> yes. So back to the essence. Cejudo, no. Uh, he's not the greatest of all time fighter. He's just a person with a great small stint of a uh, of a Mitch martial arts career but no (laughs) I don't put him up there okay Rob McLean um where does he rank in the the greatest of all time he's certainly not number one there's just too many cases too many strong cases but he is in the top 10 in my opinion Mm -hmm. um very much like Kurt Angle on the Olympic gold medalist who in such a short time span has done so much in the WWE. Uh, Henry Cejudo has done, has been very Kurt Angle like with the difference being um, the results were, are, are, the results are already unknown in the WWE and mixed martial arts is very much unknown. This is why we fight type thing. 
Um, I don't put him in the top in the goat, the greatest of all time, because I didn't think he was the greatest of all time in his own division. I thought he fought D Demetrius Johnson twice. Demetrius Johnson uh, uh, sternum starched him the first round, the first time, and the second time he won by a split decision, which many fighters and experts thought that DJ won. DJ didn't get his rematch. DJ knew that because he wasn't. Uh, um, he wasn't a cash cow for the, the UFC. He knew that as soon as he lost, he was gone. <laughs> and he was happy to go because one championship in which he's an active fighter now and still continuing to win, by the way, um, paid him a, a trailer load of money. And, and, and where he's all about respect for a craft, uh, a mixed martial arts match instead of just a fight, um, one is ex exactly where, uh, as far as the fan base is concerned. He's, he's home. He's home. Okay? Definitely. Um. And Hume, the real, the real game controller for Xbox is his is Matt Hume, man. Matt Hume uh, uh, coached him so well he felt like he was playing a video game with with Demetrius Johnson as his fighter, um, which is a testament to, to how he's not number one. I just got we were talking about Cejudo, and now I'm talking about Demetrius. So, um, but listen, to, but to his credit, when he had to show up, he showed up. Had to fight Benavidez. That was a close decision. Benavidez won. I thought Cejudo won that. So that so that that breaks off even. Um, DJ DJ Delashaw decided to punch down instead of punch up. Got knocked out. Okay. Got stopped. Okay. Dominic Cruz, not what he used to be, but but it's he's still a tough fighter to beat and almost impossible to TKO. You just don't. Um, that's the first time in his career he's been TKO'd, and John Annick said it's the first time he's ever been finished in his career, which isn't true because Uri his only other loss, Uriah Faber, he lost to guillotine choke. He tapped out. So, uh, Joe Annick, if you're out there, that's the correction, and maybe you'll bounce back and correct that later, but I got your back because we're MMA people. Um, got John Jones at number one. George St. Pierre just got into the Hall of Fame. Tomorrow, Rob, we did this show tomorrow, I'll tell you, GSP's number one. Anderson Silva has done the impossible, lives in the matrix. You asked me this question on Thursday, I might tell you Anderson Silva's number one. But these are three people we could have a greatest of, a greatest of all time, are Demetrius Johnson. Uh, these are mm. three or four people that we can have an argument on where they rank as far as one, two, and three, and four is concerned. And that's why Cejudo does not belong in the top three, certain, maybe not even the top five, but Looking on the end, man, I got to give him his props. You win, you show up, you win two titles, and you do so in convincing fashion on the weight class above you. Marlon Moraes, that's, that's a tough dude to beat, man. That's a Mark Henry Come trained on. dude, man. That, is a, so, that, dude's, that dude starches people. He, he knocks them dead. So all I got to say is, and I'm not trying to shoot at Cerrone, the difference between oh, so Cerrone and Gagey, who, who Oh, Cerrone, yeah, okay. You know, Cerrone and Gagey, who, you know, pretty similar type of styles, you know. But, you know, Gagey looked way better, way way more calculated. Uh, I was really happy with watching him fight. Uh, I think that's going to be a great matchup with Khabib. Yeah. And then... Um, we get into that. We get into that in a minute, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, um, what was I going to say? Yeah, I just... When you look at those two opponents, you know, maybe something happened to Tony, but... This guy, I mean, the the the, um, the 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 strength of the opponent opponent shows you how good the 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 fighter really is, right? A Cejudo could beat up on all types of fools all day, right? It's the same thing that happened with Demetrius Johnson. I'm not gonna put him in my top five of greatest of all time, 
because of the competition he fought all the time. He won all those fights in convincing fashion. He won in great ways. But honestly, other than John Dodson, I didn't really, I didn't feel as a viewer that he really was in danger. You know, and it's the same thing with Cejudo. Like, well, that's that's success bias to me. I don't think so. I think John Jones, same thing. Like, I don't think he's going to be the greatest all time because I don't think he's going to continue to maximize his ability. Yeah. You know, that's not, you know, I just think it's. Who's your goat right now, then? Who's my goat? I mean, it's got to be GSP. You can't, you can't not say it's GSP. It's GSP now forever. It's like the Jordan conversation. Like, if GSP would have fought one more. Because everybody got flags. He's the only one that that don't have flags. He and he, he don't have flag. Yeah, he don't have. He doesn't have any blemishes. People are trying to throw steroid things around in that formula. It just nothing sticks. You know, no. it's just really hard. He's just the 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 golden boy image. You know, they tried to make so many fighters Nike, after Nike him. Nike should have I mean, sponsored him instead of John Jones, man. Nike right, dropped John man. Jones after that. You know, I was gonna say after that Which thing, one? but you're like, what thing? So we. Gonna, Which one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I put DJ in the top five because of his competition. People say it's, it's he didn't have competition because they look at wider, lighter weight classes and they see his performance is that much better. They, they assume he has no composition, competition. But if you look at his last nine fights, and I did a little research on this, they were combined 139 wins and 29 losses. That, that is, that's something. Joseph Benavidez would have been the champion. If it weren't for DJ, uh, Sahuda that first time might have been the champion if, if you know if 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 um he wasn't around. Sahuda's only lost twice. He lost to DJ, um, and he lost a close one to Benavides, and two very close decisions. Even though DJ beat him convincingly, so I got Jones and GSP in my top two, depending on how I wake up. I got DJ at three. I love me some Dan Cormier, who's only lost twice to John Jones, I but he was suspected. Yeah, but the only two losses. He's a two division champ. Undefeated as oh, not undefeated as a heavyweight, because um, Stipe stop, uh, stopped him. But I really, I really like him in that goat conversation because he fights, he fought anybody. I do too. I just feel like again, I saw the best of what he gave at the end of his career, and I think again, it's because he was chasing yeah. that that title of um, the pound for pound instead of being who he is, which is obviously now we can all see he's a heavyweight i don't care how tall you are how he's like dude i ate a salad i never had a salad before (laughs) when he was cutting down he said i had a salad i never had a salad in my life (laughs) (laughs) and i don't know how to keep the weight off yeah i've never had a salad in my whole life and dude recency bias doesn't dare prevent us from saying anderson silva's up there too you know, like, and look, people say you're only as good as your last match, but you can't possibly gloss over what that man is in his career, you know? Just amazing, an amazing career, what he's done. 16 straight fights, um, X amount of title defenses. You know, being a fighting champion, that says a lot. The way he dropped Vitor Belfort, it looked like something out of a video game. He just dropped <laughs> both hands and then stuck up his foot. Boom. Right? <laughs> Come on, but And that was the juiced up Vitor. That's true. That was before Dad bought Vitor. <laughs> uh, but hey, I mean, the roids, are, from all I know now, is the roids probably make you have really bad flexibility. So it's probably the wrong thing to do in that sport. <laughs> it was just, it was like a staring contest and then boom. <laughs> and then a, a couple of weeks later, Machida, who's in his camp, who was in Black House, did the same thing to Randy Couture, knocked his tooth out. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Since we're, since we're MMA hot as hell right now, red hot, and it's getting kind of hot in this room. Look at the <laughs> shirt I'm wearing, Rob. A little bit thinner. I can sweat, yeah, and I'm man. okay in this. That is not a revolution. <laughs> that is a evolution. 
Question number five. And this is the big story. Should have been first in, in other people's category. Justin Gaethje. And I'm going to spell it right when we put it up on the board so you people just relax, all right? Mm. He defeated the UFC. He was the number four contender. He defeated UFC number one contender. My man, Tony El Kakui Ferguson. El Kakui for you people at home, meaning the boogeyman. Um, he beat him and stopped him in the fifth round. And something many of us would call a mild upset. Uh, um, and I, ca I call it a mild upset, not a major upset, because, you know, with his, with, his, with, his, um, with his knockout power, he can stop anybody on any given day. With Justin's big win, and we're going to talk about the how, of course, because that's what we do. Rob, with Justin's big win, what is next on the upper landscape of the lightweight division for both fighters, the winner and the loser? Yeah, I mean, uh, <clears throat> I think it's a perfect setup. I don't know, again, if McGregor, like Mystic Max, set it up where, because he's been talking crap to Gagey for a while. I don't know if he, you know, sees his opponents and then says, you know, I'm going to go after him. But there's been a lot of trash talk between him and Gagey for a long time. And I think Connor knows that he really needs to fight a, a higher level opponent to not only prove, but be able to. Uh, show up to a, a Khabib fight and have the possibility of winning. So I think it's a great matchup slash um, <clears throat> slash just just big ticket fight now. You know, I think Tony Ferguson, all his star power is stole by uh, <clears throat> Justin Gagey. And I'm so and sad about that. It is, it is, but I, I don't know, man. You know, injuries get to people, and the way that Tony Ferguson looked last night, or two nights ago was is just not how I want him. It's to how his opponents fight. looked. It's how all yeah. of his opponents looked. Exactly. He he got Ferguson. Yeah, uh, but I mean I don't even know. It, it seemed like it was the second round, you know, the second or third round. And that tells me, you know, not it didn't even look like he was after. It looked like he wasn't doing the right. Uh, it looked like he wasn't fighting the right fight. Like it looked like he was fighting Khabib. You That's know, who he prepared like, for. Exactly, and that's why. And Gagey is not far off, but he is not Khabib no, in any that, sense of the But form. with styles making matchups, don't you think that how how you train for a certain opponent, and then you wind up with this guy, that's that's a, that's a you, you you have to do a new camp, you have to do a new camp just for that guy. A whole new camp, and so you either have to uh, use what you can maximize at that time, or you, you know, change everything in the last couple you know weeks or you know, a week, a week. Um, and then Gagey, you know, he's been he's been gearing up for either one of these guys or just not really doing anything, being quarantined and gearing up for somebody, you know? So, yeah, well, that's just who he is. And, and Gagey <clears throat> looked great, man. Yeah. His mind... Have you ever the, seen the, him look that good? No, man. No. no. I don't think he's not in ever World given you of a fighting? chance, though. Not in World Series of Fighting, not now. But I don't think he's ever given you the chance to let you see him like that, right? He's never done the the you know poke from the outside, and that's all he has to do is just not be in a situation in the third, in booth, fourth, yeah. fifth round to where you're so tired because you've been hurt so much, you know, like inflict some damage, poke in and out, see if your offense is working, and then do that. Like that's that's a trump card. He has a trump card for sure, you know. If you can go in. And mix it in with somebody and just, you know, tear up their body, hit them with something that's going to hurt them no matter who they are. Because that's what he was doing. He was kicking and hitting to inflict damage. It wasn't like I'm going to hit you with some combinations. It was 
I'm coming with some some hard hits, and if you're not out of the way, you know that's that's your fault. And he just kind of runs through people in a different way now. This is real interesting, really interesting. Dude, first of all, like we were talking about, if I told you, Rob McLean, that a fighter got cut up, got his orbital bone broken, and his face looked like a, a meat grinder, like he got into a car wreck, you would have said, that was Justin Gaethje then, right? <laughs> and yeah, both of us, when we hear that scenario, we assume that Tony did it to that person. But Saturday night, Justin Gaethje fought very much like Tony Ferguson. He came, he had his slips were accurate. And when he committed, when, you know, when he loaded up, when he committed, he, he hit hard with power and he connected. A lot of those shots, we both agree, would have dropped any other fighter, except for maybe Khabib who could take a shot and Tony who, whose chin should be in the Hall of Fame right now. <laughs> okay. Um, right. The boogeyman got slept. The boogeyman got stopped. Not slept. The boogeyman got stopped. All because Justin Gaethje didn't fight Ferguson the same way he fought Dustin Poirier. He walked Poirier down and he stayed in the box and ate a bunch of shots. Was willing to eat three so he could get one. And then when the one wasn't got wasn't enough, he gassed himself and then and then then um, Poirier beat him. He didn't fight Ferguson the same way he fought. Eddie Alvarez. He walked Eddie Alvarez down. This is the underground king. We're going to have an underground slugfest. And whoever falls, falls. If he fought Tony that same way, the same results would have happened. He did not fight. He slipped in. He had a very good jab. And for a guy who had a six-inch six inch reach disadvantage, you always say it's, about, it's not about the reach. It's about how you use it. And that rings more true to this fight than, than I've ever seen. Than probably more true than any fight that I've seen since the McGregor-Khabib fight, where, Khabib, mm -hmm. where McGregor had a four-inch reach advantage over Khabib. But Khabib hit him with that one-two and dropped him. I'm sad for my guy. I'm biased. He's my favorite 155er because as far as not jumping the line, as far as not, you know, talking talking Esh to get a fight and just beating whoever's in front of you, the man did it in t for 12 times in a row, which is still a UFC record. He beats Khabib by one so far. Khabib might tire or break that because he still hasn't lost, period, <laughs> much less lost in the UFC. So um, I'm sad that he, he rolled the dice again and this time he lost, but... If the, the question is, what's next for these guys? Gaethje is not interested in Conor McGregor. Gaethje wants to be a champion. In the post-fight interview, uh, he said it, and I believe him, Rob. This man wants Khabib next, and Dana rewards people who take chances. He came in as a sub for Khabib, and he won. And, and historically, everybody that's done that for Dana got a title shot that next match. Frank Mir, Khabib, um, 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 uh, Randy Couture. Uh, Rampage Jackson, uh, um, Forrest Griffin, everybody who's come in last minute and won has gotten rewarded with a title shot, either the next one or whatever. So what's next for, um, you ask me what, uh, what's next for Gaethje? It's Khabib. You ask me what's next for Tony? If Connor dares. Connor has a blueprint. And with Tony losing, this is the time where Connor Connor can 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 come after Tony. Even though he, I don't, I think he struggles with people with a longer reach than him. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> the thing is, is uh, all those guys you named at their specific times, they were, they had near superstar potential in the pay per view ratings. I don't believe that Gagey has that. So even if he has the pay per view points 
for his own. Uh, oh, he does now. No, no, he has yeah. the pay-per-view points for his own money to bring in, but the amount of people that are going to buy is always the star power that is really discussed. And I just don't see that Gagey being that kind of a draw yet. You know, if it, if it's a Gagey and a Khabib fight, I still see it as Gagey is fighting Khabib. You know, if it's uh, a Gagey versus Connor fight, still Connor's got a little bit of edge on him even now. Connor's right? got an edge over everybody though. So I don't put him it's in that true, category. But I, I take Connor out of the picture because you got to say who else. Yes, but that's what I'm where he's still in the conversation cuz he's going to fight him. You know, I, I wouldn't just like be like, "Oh, well John Jones and Connor McGregor, they're in since James Stratosphere. They're not going to fight each other." You know, but because he's going to fight him, you have to mention him, you know, yep. and that does mean a lot. Um, and you know, all those people at that time, Forrest Griffin had a huge following. Everybody loved him. He was a big talker, big mouth guy. Like everybody mouthing off everywhere like Michael Bisping. And then you have, uh, <clears throat> you know, Rampage Jackson, same thing. Big power guy, you know, big connection, big things going to happen. Not to say that Gagey's not that guy. I just don't think he's that guy yet. And I think it's great for the company to make a decision to say, we don't, we still don't even know if Khabib can fight coming out of Russia. Uh, he's been off for this long. Connor's been talking to Gagey about all this, this and that. And I think Gagey needs another fight to get his star power up. Um, and if Connor wins, then that's a big fight for Khabib Connor. I think it's an easy, smart move to have Gagey fight against uh, Connor next. And I know he wants the championship, but you might get more money fighting against Connor than you will Khabib. That's not where he's leaning. Gaethje's not, Gaethje choice, not so. going for the common denominator. Oh, big fights, big fights, and that's it. That's not where he's going, Rob. And and I'm so glad we choice. got a disagreement right now because this is supposed to be a debate show. Uh-huh. He has main evented pretty much four of his of his five matches. All of his fights have been fight of the night. His star power is not where Connor is, but as far as an ascension, it's not a roller coaster. It's not a wavelength. The man is going up, 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 up. And if he fights Connor, if I'm wrong and you're right and he fights Connor, 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 whatever, that is the right result. Okay? If you're wrong and I'm right and he fights Khabib, that is the right result. We have ourselves a good freaking problem to debate right now, dude. Um, which fight's going to make him money? Connor McGregor. Connor McGregor could fight Jeremy Piven. And, and and sell out and 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 make more pay-per-views than than Cormier versus Jones, okay? So that's why I don't even put Connor in that that whatever. It's that's red it's saying. red panty night for who, whoever wants to fight him. And I so, I don't know if Justin said that he's not interested because he's baiting him, or if he truly he truly just wants to be the champion. Honestly, I, I mean, no. But here's the thing: if he's the champion, Connor's got to come to him. Yeah, but first you got to get that, and second off. It, it, you could have that fight because the thing is, is are you confident or are you, uh, do you feel as though that style is not a matchup to you? And I can understand where that's the truth, but Gagey has been talking back. He's been engaging, you know, and if you're this, if you hadn't engaged with Connor and Connor's just talking his crap like he usually does all the time, you're like, hey, you know, you're just a dummy, you know, you're going to get it when it comes. I get it, but, you know, Gagey's kind of wanted it too. And I'm not saying maybe he's changed his, his stance now because he has the power to say, I want to do something. But before he fought Tony Ferguson, nobody would be saying that Justin yeah. Gagey has de- decision power over Khabib, Connor, 
or what's best for the UFC because in any way, shape, or form, it's better for Justin Gagey. It's better for the UFC. It's better for everybody. Why do so you? I don't, I don't why do you why. even think we're debating? The man said both things. Okay, his when he came from World Series of Fighting, eighteen and zero, undefeated, he says, "I want the biggest fights and the best fights and test myself." That's where that's your argument. That's Conor McGregor. Um, and then all of a sudden, the last few months, I want that UFC belt and whatever path I got to do to get there. So he's saying both things, which is why we're making arguments for both things. Mm-hmm. The crazy thing, I think, I think Khabib beats them both the same night. <laughs> you know, I mean, Khabib's on a roll right now. But um, very interesting. Very interesting to see where it goes, huh? Well, who do you think is a better would be a, a who do you think would have a better chance of beating Khabib, and then who do you think would be a better fight? I think um, Justin Gaethje would be a better better fight against Khabib because what, the one thing no one talks about with this guy is he's an this he's a, he's an all American wrestler, mm-hmm. and he has people don't know because he's uses a, his wrestling ability to not get taken down. You don't see the guy get taken down because he stuffs people, and Khabib will not take him down as easily as everybody else. He walks in as a very one heavy one heavy one fifty five. Like what did he look like? Yes, that he day? does. Didn't he look like he was 180, 180 mm-hmm. or 179? Didn't you know he what's look funny? Like he had to cut like some he, him and Cejudo had like very similar uh, uh, proportion bodies, you know, where everything is like nothing's too long, but yeah. it seems that way because there's a lot of like muscle and strength and, and uh, you know. Yeah. And that's that's the wrestling right there, you know. It's just, you know, you're, you get strength from, from your wrist all the way to your ankles, you know. Just like, but with that being said, I still think Khabib wins anyway because if Khabib doesn't have to take you down, Khabib can do constant pressure. He can uh, he can give you noogies against the cage, and Justin has shown that when people stay in his face and don't get hit, um, like high volume people, like Nate Diaz is a high high volume striker, but it's from a distance. Mm-hmm. You know, legs and kicks and whatever, and gets you in a corner. And next thing you know, it looks like he's hitting you with four four hands, and you trying to block with two. Um, Khabib is a different kind of constant pressure. He doesn't allow you to tag him. He's he's always in with inside the shoulders length where you don't you don't get off. So, um, the best shot of beating Khabib is, is I, I more so than Connor. I don't even see what Connor can do differently. You know, um, I honestly don't. Um, because Khabib can eat the shots, you know? And then when he eats the shots, what Conor, what's Connor going to do? Is he going to run for three rounds and, and, and like, like he did against Diaz and win a decision? Or, or do, am I wrong? Does he have enough power to knock out, you know, catch Khabib enough times where, just like Tony, who was impossible to knock out, you hit someone enough times. Or you do it the right way. I mean, I mean and Connor's not that guy, you know? He's a flashy knockout artist, so he's not going to you know, kick your leg 15, 20 times like Gagey did. And, I mean, I don't think, I don't even think I've seen Connor kick as hard as Gagey's kicked, like, the last 20 times he kicked the other night. I mean, he was kicking Tony's leg off. And, you know, that's that's what I'm saying. I just think it's a totally different style. And you uh, know what? He was checking Tony's kicks, too. Did you see Tony's le- uh, shins right? bleeding from, from oh, yeah. checking? the like uh, We call it the destruction because we're New Yorkers. Chris mm-hmm. Weidman people, that, that little knee, knee to shin, the patella to shin. I don't even know yeah, what's man. worse. That he was getting his legs chopped down like a little tree, or or that whenever he was leg kicking, they were getting checked. It was just, and then his face just looked like something out of a Rocky movie. And then after um, the second round, I yeah, mean, it was second round, and he was bleeding. Well, second round, remember he finished with an uppercut and almost yeah. tried to finish. No, it knocked he, him out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and it shows that Tony's out never out. Blood coming out. Yeah. 
Yeah, crazy. Tony will be back. He's a he's crazy like that. He, you can't rattle his brains because I don't even think like Diaz. It's not a whole lot to rattle, dude. I put him, Masvidal, and Diaz all in the same category as far as thresholds for punishment. That's that's a wash. That's a dude. That's a push. Um, Man, the only thing though is uh, I have to say Tony is very disappointing in the fact that. I think there's just so much there, and I think he even knows like there's so much he can do, but I I just don't think there's a plan. I just I don't think that there is enough of a plan to get it done at a high level to do what he's trying to do, which is intelligent fighting. And I think that we just saw the difference because Gagey in his post interview was actually talking about how he he doesn't even remember the fight. He has to go back and watch the fight. Uh, because if I, if he's thinking about the fight while he's in the fight or while he's in the, uh, you know while he's sitting on the side, then he's two steps behind. Yeah, you're, you know? and you're so probably just blinking like it's when, pure you get, reaction, when you get clipped. Pure yep. Yeah, and I think uh, yeah, it's just like instead of trying to remember the moves or the hits you're trying to do, you know that should just be, you know, uh, secondhand. You know, so no I just think Gagey is a different type of a, a fighter, and I think I'm glad that somebody got into him and, and finally told him to stop joking around at the highest level, yeah. and uh, you know get serious about protecting your body. And um, at, then at the end of the, uh, you know, it was a re- it was a reverse three, four, fight five. to me. It was a reverse yeah. fight to me. I I believed that Tony was the one that was gonna slip in and out and snipe him and come in, you know, get power and before Justin could hit back, he was gone. That's uh, I expected Justin Gaethje's face to look like that. I expected Justin's legs to get chopped up. I expect his his shins to be bleeding and from Tony checking his kicks. It was the weirdest thing ever. And I disagree with you about Tony uh, as far as fighting this level. Tony is this level. Twelve in a row, you beating the rest. But as far as fighting intelligently, he really exposed himself and 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 that's where like you said he's got a little bit if not a lot to learn yeah i just think uh i think that he should have done exactly what he's done to the last 12 people with justin gage there's no difference Uh, i just believe that you know whether it's just he can't do athletic things to make up for some mistakes and by mistakes i mean not taking the shots that he, he he could take to knock somebody out you know or um you know, going back to uppercut more than just the beginning of the second round, you know, um, there's just, uh, I feel as though he doesn't, he, he does, he, he does a role when his legs are hurting, but you know, he does, he's not trying to, you know, um, make different movement and different angles to, 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 to maximize what he can do on, it's just, I, don't, I just do don't think he made the connection. I mean, he but took a, he, he did still. take a lot of chances. If you remember the leg sweep, that looked like something out of a kung fu movie. That, yeah, which like, was that cool never happens. and effective. That never but happens. Didn't really do anything. But too few, yeah. Too, yeah, few and far in between. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like if it worked, then do it again. If it didn't, why you know why did you even do it? And he does that every single fight. He's got a couple of things where it's like, okay, you know, you're trying something out, but if it doesn't work in five fights, not just one or two, if it doesn't work at five fights, why are you going to keep throwing a roll at somebody's legs in there? Like, you've never taken anybody down. I know it's different, but, you know, if you're hurting, don't go to that. Go to, you know, we got to get points. We got to win the fight. I don't even know if he felt it, dude. I mean, the guy got – how many times did did he get hit and you were like that – you went from that would have dropped any other fighter to this is it. This is the round he's going to get dropped to this is it. The ref's going to step in to this is it. Just ref. Please just stop the match. Uh, rhetorical question. Good stoppage. Um, yeah, I thought it was a little bit late. Uh, but again, it's, I think it comes to the same 
thing I'll just respond to what you just said is that there are different type of people in this world. And her dean is very good at that. Isn't he good exactly. at that? Some, some, yeah. Some people just don't go down. Yeah. <laughs> and Gagey's one of those dudes too who, man, you got you to gotta tell them the fight is over for them to lose. You know, they're not going to get their lights cleaned out. And so I believe it was a great stoppage. Uh, I think it maybe was a little bit, a little bit long, a little bit later than it needed to be. And um, yeah, I just think that <clears throat> there was nothing really coming back at, at Gagey, and he was kind of just toying with uh, Tony at the end. Nice yeah. dude, man. Cool. That wraps up the UFC. So glad to have a live event, particularly one of my favorite three sports. Again, they took a chance. They did it intelligently, and we got ourselves a sporting event. Got a little break on the worldwide leader in sports at ESPN. But now, our worldwide leader is called Good Idea, Bad Idea. Okay, welcome. This is our special segment called Good Idea, Bad Idea. Starting with question number one. One of them is a surprise question at the end. I had to change up for reasons uh, I'll tell you later, Rob. But our first question is this. Baseball, good idea, bad idea. Baseball's new playoff format uh, will go to seven, t seven teams. Uh, good idea. I think it is very difficult for baseball teams to get um, <clears throat> teams who haven't made the playoffs in. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams that are really working hard at getting their franchises better, and uh, they're doing a great job. But it's just hard to break in with how, how many how many games throughout the season. So it's great to see. Yeah, I, I think it's a good idea, and and it's crazy. There's a reason why baseball is called na the national pastime, because the fans are so loyal. I mean, I, I, I bring you back to the 80s, and, and pretty much the mid-90s all the way before were only the division winners went to the pennant, you know, were part of the pennant race or the playoffs and, and or whatever. So basically, out of all these teams, you only had the four, the, the four division winners because there were only four back then. And then they play each other, and then there's the World Series, and then they have a fifth. So now... You know, some of these fans who are loyal to the teams who still continue to come to these games, they have, they have uh, beyond the love, the scope of loyalty, there, there's a chance. There's a chance that they get in as a wild card spot, and there's a chance as a second wild card spot. And now, ask him what he's won, Johnny. A playoff team. Rob <laughs> McLean, good idea, bad idea. The French Open, they're trying to work out the French Open to um, do the tournament without fans. Good idea, bad idea. Uh, great idea. I mean, uh, if you've ever seen <laughs> uh, the fans, the fan booths in a tennis stadium, I mean, they're literally right next to each other everywhere. There's just no space. It's like a small baseball stadium. So I'm glad to see that they're trying to do without fans. And, and tennis can be easily seen on TV and enjoyed. So definitely a good idea. Rob, I got to agree with you on it. It's a good idea, and I'll tell you why. It's, um, if you think mixed martial arts was safe because you had one-on-one -on -one combatants or whatever, or one-on-one -on -one competitors, I, I say take that, put a net in between them, put them on opposite sides of a field where their feet, if not yards or meters apart, take a referee uh, who does, take a referee and put them on a high chair where they're not only away from them, but above ground. Take the color commentators who are not on court side, but are an actual bunker where they look at it through a glass and take the crowd away because the crowd's not allowed to talk during the rally of the matches anyway. Rob McLean, I give you tennis. Tennis practice. <laughs> Oh, not a game. <laughs> not a game. Just practice. <laughs> not a real game, but practice. Rob, good idea, bad idea. Robert Kraft is auctioning off uh, one of his Super Bowl rings for charity. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great idea. I think he should, uh, any, any way the people with means can give back to, you know, people that need in those times. I mean, it's great. Uh, he also has plenty of those rings to auction off, so I hope he chooses one of the more expensive ones and not one, maybe one of the cheaper ones. <laughs> Look, it's a good idea, okay? Rob Kraft, go cheap. Rob Kraft, go expensive. Rob Kraft, go mid-range. I don't know. I don't care. If it's for a charity, that's fine. I just want him to pick his charities lightly because as someone who grew up in the, on Flatbush Avenue or and, and, you know, and spent a lot of time in Harlem, I've never seen a situation where a name charity actually came up and affected me directly when I was poor. <laughs> you hear about, oh, this is for charity this, this is for charity that. Man, tell it to somebody who's poor that don't even know what the charity is, doesn't even know where anything's coming from. You know what? they don't know where it's coming from because it's not coming in the first place auction your ring do it right true that <laughs> that's right truth time here good idea bad idea rob mclean um united kingdom clears the premier league soccer league to start june 1st go um i don't think it's a very good idea i think it's a bad idea um <clears throat> Soccer is a very in-your-face physical sport. Um, it only takes really, you know, one or two people to get sick. And then if a one team gets sick, then it's going to affect how they, they place in that league, you know. And how they place in that league depends uh, – many jobs depend on that, whether it's soccer players, coaches, you know, medical staff. You know, all those people could just get wiped on a bad season. So uh, I think it's a bad idea just because – the playing ground needs to be even. Bad idea, bad idea, bad idea. That is a that is a sport that re requires multiple com com competitors to compete against each other. They're close quarters. The referees are even closer. The coaches are close. And it, and as far as fan participation, where you can get away with an empty stadium, soccer, football is not one of those stadiums where where that's gonna that's gonna enjoy any success on any level. Rob McLean, the last question. Um, same question, different person, okay? Good idea, mm. bad idea. Referee, early stoppage. What, um, Dominic Cruz uh, loses to, um, sorry, Henry Cejudo. Uh, was it an early stoppage, good idea? The early stoppage, good idea, bad idea? Uh, I mean, it was a good idea. I don't think that Dominic is really doing anything in the fight. Again, it's really hard to, with referees in, in UFC, but... Uh, it's really he wasn't really affecting the fight and he got completely knocked out i mean off his feet so yeah i don't see why they shouldn't have stopped it um rob um this one and only this one i'm probably going to go bad idea and it's because um uh, like i said before some referees are really good at at um researching their matches and knowing who has a a, a high threshold for pain and who has good recoverability um dominic cruz got knocked down he got he saw he got a bunch of hits at the end which um um uh, is a referee's flag like if you're down and you're not and you're just getting hit and you're just covering up or whatever they think you're hurt and you're and to them that's not intelligently defending yourself so for safety reasons, I always err on the, uh, the side of caution with stopping the fight. But in this one case, this 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 outlier, I say bad idea. I thought they should have given uh, Dominic Cruz a, a little bit more time to see if he he could still go. Ladies Hold up, real fast. Hold up, real fast. You think that <laughs> you think that he wasn't out? Did you see the replay? Yeah, I did, and I saw him get dropped. 
I he saw got him, dropped. I saw him get dropped, and then I—it's weird. I saw him get punched awake. <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> but still, but like you said though, because he didn't get intelligent. Because I'm not a Sahuto guy. I was viewing for Cruz the whole time. Of course. You got to give it where it's due, and man, he—he—he he, he got him bad. I don't think you can kick somebody and then hit him with your knee and then unpurposely knock them out. And he really did. And then he hit him with a lot of shots there. Like, well, they weren't hard, but he hit him clean in the face with a lot of shots, and he was not helping. He was not helping himself. So, no, yeah, no doubt. It, it was a good idea. I don't even think it was the early stoppage, again. Okay, good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that concludes our episode of Good Idea, Bad Idea. All right, we're back, and I'd like to finish this episode on a, on a little personal thing. Uh, my rant this week is Rob McLean. I am a jinx. Everybody that I wanted to win, everybody that I, I, I picked to win, which were actually binary this weekend, Michelle Waterson, picked her to win, won another win, lost. Dominic Cruz, picked him to win, thought he had sides on Cejudo, uh, wanted him to win, lost. Ferguson, wanted him to win, picked him to win, lost. It was just a bad night for me. The only one that I deserved to lose on was Rose, Rosenstruck. I thought Rosenstruck would would, um, would last longer against Ngannou and eventually tire him out and knock him out because I thought he had five-round cardio and power in both hands in the later rounds as he showed against Alistair Overeem. Have you ever seen Bronx Tale? Mm, yeah. <laughs> Do you know who Eddie Mush is? Of course. For the people at home, the line and Bronx tale is, they called him Eddie Mush because everything he everything he touched turned into mush. He went to the racetrack and the teller uh, handed him his tickets already ripped up. And then there was a scene, he's in the racetrack and the, the, everyone's horse was winning. And then he's like, all right, you go. And they're like, wait a second, you bet on that horse? He's like, yeah, I got a tip. They're like, oh man, forget it. And then Cologino was like, no, our horse is winning. He's like, you don't understand, kid. He bet on the horse. He can't win. Let's go, guys. I met him mushed this weekend. I got mushed. <laughs> yeah, you got mushed. <laughs> oh, man, funny. I'm so glad you saw that movie. You're a true New Yorker, man. You saw Bronx course, Tale. Man. Too many times. That, that, that is required reading and seeing, If you, uh, uh, that and Goodfellas. Um, on this day in sports, last but not least, it is uh, uh, today, this Tuesday, uh, is the birthday of Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra is a very... You don't have to be a Yankee fan to know who he is, and you don't have to be a Yankee fan or even a baseball fan to appreciate this man's acute sense of humor. He is the master and the founder of the, of the, of the trademark quote, it ain't over till it's over, which is so true in sports. We were talking about fighting the entire day. Rings true in that sport more than anything. Comeback kids. Um, mm -hmm. Rings true in baseball. We've seen eight, eight nothing leads disappear. Rings true in basketball. We've seen 30 point leads disappear. Rings true in tennis. You're down five, love. All of a sudden you come back, win seven, five. It, it ain't over till it's over. But my other two favorite quotes are cash is almost as good as money. <laughs> and my number one quote is Can you please cut my pizza into six slices? I don't think I could eat eight. <laughs> Yogi Berra, God rest his soul, 1925-2015, 90 long years on this planet. My heart is with you, my heart in my head. Rob McLean, in closing, what do you got? Uh, just everybody stay happy and healthy. Um, <clears throat> just because uh, everybody, again, we, we can go places, we can do things, just stay happy, stay healthy, stay 
home if you need to and uh, keep looking after your fellow person because it's not just yourself, it's other people around you. We said this multiple weeks and we're going to say it again. Treat it like you got it and you don't want anybody else to get it. Sounds fair, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how we're ending on our episode. This episode 16 a Sports Debate Tuesday. For all of you at home, for all of you on, on your iPad, outside the coffee shop waiting for your coffee, for all of you, all of you on, your, on your iPhone, for all of you on your desktop, for Rob, keep it McLean McLean. I am Jason DeBiss, and we say we're out. See ya! Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Angel. You're going to love what you hear.